Join Chris and Suzanne Vester today on Faith Family Fulfillment as they lead discussions on creating a strong bond and having a loving relationship through Christian values. Guests on the show share insightful stories and ideas to enhance a positive family upbringing and create trust in one another, as well as providing encouraging words of wisdom everyone should hear. And now, here are Chris and Suzanne. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Faith Family Fulfillment. I am your co-host, Chris. And I'm Suzanne. And um, I'm giggling because I said that we should mix it up and have Suzanne introduce us. And I said, well, why would we change what was good, what's working? <laughs> so, awkward pause. Y'all won't get to hear because we get edited out. But anyway, I'll pray mm-hmm. a sin and we'll go ahead and get started. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, thank you for today. Um, thank you for good health today. Um, thank you for this time that we're able to spend together just having some conversation um, with you at the center of it about how we show up in this world in a way that glorifies you. I ask that you lead and guide the conversation today and keep us in your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I gave you the freedom, quote unquote, the freedom picking our topic today, and you came up with one that you. I did. Yeah, I did. We want to talk about processes and responding versus reacting. Respond versus react. Um, but processes first. Okay. Because um, that's something that you spend a lot of time in, in terms of business world stuff mm-hmm. and putting processes in place so that everybody knows what comes after what. And so that when something that is not inside that process pops up, there's a way to respond to it. Right. Because when you don't have a process in place when those crazy things do come up, you tend to react. And when you react, it tends to come out of a place of emotion mm-hmm. and not out of a place of what is practical in the best interest. Um, we could probably list a dozen other things there. So processes from a business standpoint, and then we'll get to like family and faith part of it. But from a business standpoint, why are processes imperative to the daily functioning of what happens from doors open to door closed. Oh wow, that's that's probably that's a great question. Um so with us being a customer facing well most businesses have customers but you know customer centric retail automotive space um processes protect what I feel like is the most important part of it which is the customer's experience. You know how how they're treated when they walk through the door um the experience that they are a part of from the get-go. So if there is no quote-unquote process, then the experience of the customer depends on who they end up interacting with that particular day. And how their day is going. And and how their day is going. So, you know, for us having a quote-unquote, let's say, Hubert Vester Auto Group process, um, because we have a way that we want to show up to the customer. And as long as everybody understands that's what our overall goal and culture is, then the process should support that. So how we greet the customer, um, how we gather information from the customer. And, you know, our, our overall process is really, really simple because everybody that's facing the customer, they meet and greet the customer, mm-hmm. right? They do what we call a needs assessment, which is assess the problem. You know, if somebody's coming looking for a car, they have a need of transportation. Mm-hmm. If someone comes in for service, there's a need of repair or a need of maintenance. And mm-hmm. there's a need, assess the need, um, identify the problem, identify the issue, offer solutions, solve the problem, and then follow up into perpetuity. So it's 
but everybody has that same exact process. Mm -hmm. Now there's lots of pieces of those processes, but it's the overall processes are very simple, but we keep them simple so that it doesn't get complicated and takes out as many variables as possible when you're looking at it visually. Right. So when you're looking at it from the perspective of obviously keeping it simple Mm -hmm. and that was very simple. And there I'm sure are probably a dozen or more components depending on the department and different things. So what happens when the process is not um, communicated well, understood well and followed appropriately? Well, it ends up violating what we're trying to achieve in our purpose. If the process is violated then it will end up violating our purpose statement, which is to enrich every life we touch by providing an incredible leadership experience. Right. So no matter where it goes south, it will violate purpose Mm -hmm. every time, which is why we try to keep it simple. And when it goes south and we can identify where it goes south, you know, sometimes there's an evolution to company processes. So Mm -hmm. some of them get so complicated that you get Mm over-processed. And when that happens, it wreaks as much havoc as having zero process. Because it misses the point. Right. It misses the point. So um, for us, it's about recognizing where we're having the most either bottleneck or hose kinks or whatever you want to call it in the process and saying, okay, was it, is it causing a bottleneck because it's the wrong process or is it causing a bottleneck because nobody understands or, or is that just where they're the most uncomfortable moving to the next step of the process? Mm -hmm. If you can get people to go through the process and when they go through the process, it's really easy to identify where it's working well mm-hmm. and where the process is failing. So I want to segue that into how you can make that work in your faith walk, your family life mm-hmm. and overall complete you and fulfill you because you're not going to have as much of a stress load on you. So in terms of faith, how I see that personally playing out is having a set routine of how you structure what you're going to do for your um, alone time, your quiet time, your devotion time, your Sabbath time, if that's how you how you label it, mm-hmm. and having a set routine of going through that to where it's it's how you process things. Right. And you are accountable to yourself doing that on a daily basis because where I see it becoming a problem or um, failing or getting in the ditch is when you miss a day or two or three or 10, and then everything else starts kind of falling apart because you have... Like you said, you've kind of violated your process. Right. What are your thoughts? Oh, I agreed 100%. There's an individual that's in one of our leadership coaching little groups in our company with what they had chosen to be something they wanted to work on, which was a daily quiet time, a deeper understanding of just the Bible itself. Um, when they came in and kind of did a report after a couple of weeks, like, yeah, well, I'm, I missed a couple of days and it's thrown me off. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, Number one, just recognize, okay, forgive yourself for missing it. Like it's grace is important. Grace is important. Don't say, well, I'll start again Monday. Start the next day. Right. We talked about that. Right. And then see if you can, if there's any way possible, you know, make up that day sometime during the day. It doesn't always have to be done specifically with that individual because there is, there is a something she's using that's walking through. And if you skip, it kind of feels like you're, like you do fall behind, mm-hmm. right? And so because of what her end goal was. And so being able to say, you know what, just forgive, let's roll on and then figure out a way to catch up over time. Even if it's just a piece, you know, here right. and there, you're making up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the idea of you know making the decision ahead of time, you know, being able to you know scheduling it out is important. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a little bit blessed in that by having to get up every single morning and walk the dog because I use that as a big part of my quiet time. You know, it's a the devotional that I listen to and kind of take in and, and worship me all that's during the time with the dog. Mm. I don't have to worry about him much. Mm. I don't, he's not on my, my radar, or my brain. He's, 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 doing, doing, his he's thing. doing his thing. Right. And so I'm out there and able to tune in and, and turn on, you know, in a way that starts my day what I think is the best way possible. So it's just in a moment of quiet time. Right. Agreed. So if we shift that into um, family, mm-hmm. that's when it gets a little interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're doing your, your faith journey, and let's just say that we're, you're just focusing on your quiet time, your devotional time, and you're not looking for how you're serving, because that's a whole nother dynamic. We might have time to get to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When you factor in family, then you're factoring in, much like in business, um, different people, different personalities, different priorities, different preferences, different opinions. Um, Man, you could go on forever about that. All under one roof. All under one roof. Yeah. So when it comes to having processes in terms of family, I think that the most important dynamic would be like yours and mine. Right. Like, how is this going to get handled? Or um, what is the response going to be if if this comes up? And what really kind of pops into my brain in the forefront is discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, How are you going to discipline um, your children? What is that going to look like? And coming to agreement on that, because I think we have said it multiple times to our kids, we're not here. Our role, our job, if you will, right now is not to be your best friend and be accommodating. It's to prepare you to be a productive adult. Mm-hmm. So in terms of how to structure that process, what are your thoughts? Um, I think you know, you know, we had conversations early on about discipline because we were disciplined pretty much the same way as children. Very we, similar. When we talk about how we grew up and and what our discipline life looked like. It was very, very similar because we come from very similar value systems. Yes. You know, our families are very value, their value systems. If they drew them out on paper, I think they'd overlap um, in a lot of places. So I think that led to a like mindset when it came to discipline. Um, I think being on the same page, mapping it out. Um, you know, we've been together 26 years. And I think if there's one area that we could grow the most in, it would be even that now about what is the roles and responsibilities of everybody under the household that has to be done on a daily that can't get ignored. And if they get ignored, what does it look like? What are the consequences? What are the, what are the lasting results that'll shift so that they understand that there's responsibilities that are due? Right. You know, the, the rent, you know, the chores that you do every day is the rent that's due to, you know, to live under the roof. <laughs> yeah. so it's their part of lifting the load. Yeah, I would agree. And the dynamic of that has shifted over yeah. the last 90 days. So to yes. give um, everyone who's listening a picture. So you have Chris and myself who um, we're going probably, you're going more than me out of the house. But when I'm at home, I'm not typically doing home making activities. I'm typically working from home by yeah. and large. Correct. And that's been a busier season in the last year or so yes. because of your doctorate. Yes. Um, and carving out time for everything that's that has to get done because there are deadlines. 
but we also um, sent our middle daughter who will be um, 18 next week off to college. So she is no longer at home. And I would say, you know, and all the good things that she is, she is our messiest child. Yes. <laughs> Just kind of in general. Right. Um, but we have our oldest daughter who is, um, she's 21. She graduated with her bachelor's in May. She is in the seminary working on her MDiv and is working a part-time job. Really, she is, really two part-time well, jobs. Because she's coaching, yeah, they, um, but they that added, will end. Yeah, they added in. Yeah, that. So that will end in a few weeks because um, right. the season will be over. But so we have, for all intent and purposes, an adult um, who is living back under our roof and we welcome her in. So that's no point of contention. But she is, um, we have always joked because you can always tell when she's been home. Yes. Because her things are strewn literally from the back door to her bedroom. All right. Which is a span of probably how many feet? Oh, I mean, 40, 50, 60 feet. I guess that's a long yeah. So there are just things <laughs> that are left um, as she progresses through the house. So she is back home. And she's not disorganized. She's ridiculously no. organized. Right. She's very conscientious in a many, many ways. Of her space. Yes. But not in the communal spaces. <laughs> um, Avery, we love you, but we have yes. to pick on you. And then we have our youngest daughter who turned 13 over the summer, who's obviously in school, um, play sports, and she's probably home the least amount of everyone in the house right now because of, much. Because of um, sports. And she's playing volleyball, and then she will start um, swim immediately after, so that won't change a whole lot. But there's a lot that needs to get done in our house on a daily basis because we've met, probably mentioned it before. We don't eat out a lot, so we, we cook, cook a lot. Every single meal. Um, yeah. So we have the kitchen that is always in a state of disarray. It's like a commercial kitchen. Any restaurant commercial kitchen throughout mm-hmm. any busy season of their yes. day yep, is what our kitchen mm-hmm. looks like at any given point. Yes. Yep. Because, I mean, if you think about it, it's there's three people cooking at least four meals. So it's 12 meals a day that are getting processed through that kitchen. Right. So that's, And all the things that that entails. Right. Um, and we have we've kind of joked about it. You know, Avery said, well, I'll help with the dishes if you'll buy me a sponge because I don't use sponges. I use um, some Norwex scrubbers that are right. amazing, but she doesn't like them. So I bought her a sponge. It was even a jack-o'-lantern sponge. So it was, it was even fun. pretty. Yeah, it was even fun. pretty. She hasn't done dishes yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, there is. Um, it's because you should have you taken the sponge and put it on her bed. Like just put it right on her pillow. Yeah, maybe I just need to carry all the dirty dishes. In yeah, there. that's not But. Yes, there's definitely a need. And that's an ongoing need. So I think that people need to understand that whatever you decide to do inside of your house, inside of your family, it has to be dynamic. It's constantly going to shift and change based on what's going on with the individuals and members of your household. So you have to you have to know. But having the ability to know that there's a response that is required. So if things are just like if you can't find a fork or a bowl or when Gabrielle was at home, a cup, right? Um, <laughs> you know, that, the cup hoarder. Yes. Then you're going to have to make, there's a response necessary and communicating that clearly is, is probably pretty important um, across the board, but going back to, um, like I said, discipline probably comes to mind first. What are some things that other than household management, like chores and those kinds of duties and discipline, what else pops into your head in the family space? I think because we live ridiculously active lives, I don't think, you know, the highest form of arrogance is thinking that your your problems are worse than anybody else's. But I know that we are 
among the families that I know more active than most. Mm. And like the household is probably what pops in my mind first when we talk about processes and Mm. all that, you know, budgeting comes to mind, Mm. you know, understanding budgeting. I actually had a conversation with my sister. I shared that, you know, that budgeting tool with Mm. you um, that I think is probably the best budgeting tools I've ever seen spreadsheet wise um, and how it, processes the information for you and helps you really think about things that probably may not be on your radar at any given point. Um, And when people have come through the leadership development, that's the tool I've given them to use. And it's amazing how they come back and they're, yeah, but I don't like, I don't do any giving and like, I don't do any investing. Well, like that's the reason it's there. So it puts it on your radar. So it's something you need to be doing. And if you don't ever have it on your radar, it's never going to happen. So let's, how can we fit it in? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, after a couple of months, you find that, Hey, I've got space for that, you know, that I didn't recognize that I had. Um, so yeah, the process of budgeting would be huge um, because it's not about living. You know, there's a reason that was it 90, 98% or 95% of the American households live paycheck to paycheck, regardless of level of income. You know, it's important to say that too, because a lot of people say, yeah, but the wealthy don't live that way. No, regardless of paycheck, regardless of income, that percentage doesn't shift. Right. So it's the inability to manage up what's coming in the household because there's not a lot of people that are sitting down and having a conversation about processing the income. Like, how do we, how do we process and steward this gift? Well, mm-hmm. and that's the reason people don't tithe and don't give and don't invest because they just never sat down and said, Hey, how do we, how do we make this work? Mm-hmm. So finding a really good tool for that would be great. Cause it is, you know, something, you know, we we're talking about a lot of different processes and we'll probably get to the fact that they all need to be reevaluated. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you asked me in the beginning about business processes and you know, we reevaluate our KPIs, our key performance indicator numbers every single week. And then once a quarter we gather and we look back over the quarter, what did we achieve? Where did we miss? And why did we miss or why did we achieve, which allows us to reexamine our processes. And that's the whole point is, you know, you, you try and if you fail, you learn and then you try again. If you succeed, then you replicate it and share it and test it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then try again. Like it's a constant, you know, there's two. In fact, I sent a picture out to the leadership team just yesterday about that, about what actual processing should look like. So it is an, a reevaluation that needs to happen pretty consistently. I mean, I would think with some of them, with budgeting, for instance, maybe every six months, with um, the adjustment of chores, it could be every you know thirty days or ninety days. I mean, there's like there should be a pulse to looking at the processes to make sure that everybody understands what's going on and and where they're what's trying to be achieved. You know, it's a communication of vision, right? So shifting gears to the fulfillment aspect. So I think that date nights are a really good time to kind of check in on, you know, how are you doing? You know, is there something going on, you know, spiritually that you need intercession for checking in with kids? You know, how are they, they doing? What season are they in? What um, are they struggling with? Is there a subject or a need or something that needs to be assessed? And then checking in with your spouse and just kind of really going, okay, what's going on with you? How can I support you? You know, where do you feel like you need to reach out beyond our relationship to get enriched or fed or what have you? Because I think that that's an important part is to, that sure. too. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on 
completing this statement, you know, we talked about faith, we talked about our family and how to handle that with processes, but in the fulfillment component, um, where do you find that processes could be really helpful there? You know, our date nights have, some of them are super productive, right? And some of them are just fun. And we're the, the super productive ones. If we go, we go into it with this attitude of that, that's how we're going to um, like examine the areas. Like, is there a kid that needs special attention this week? Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, having Avery back in the house and um, knowing how often she's going to be gone. And, and, but also realizing that when she's there, like right now, I mean, she's, you know, helping manage the house with Shelby, mm-hmm. you know, um, but if, but since we all share each other's calendars, we can kind of sit down and kind of go through and say, okay, well, this is what we've got going on this week. This is where it's going to be really a squeeze of the funnel. How do we make that work this week? You know, we've, we've talked about the importance of doing them on the weekly. Um, if it's a, a reexamining that needs to take place, I mean, a weekly reexamining of those things would be probably the best, best pulse to be on when it comes to processes. And then one of the things, you know, you do a great job of asking the questions when we're on date night, you know, the intentional questions better than me, but, you know, asking, is there a way that you can find that I could serve you better? You know, you asked the question you said a while ago was, Hey, what have you got going on that I can serve you with? But Hey, what if there's something that's already been going on that I could have served you better in? Yeah. Because again, it's, it's that learning fail process. And if you're failing in it, like, how do you learn to do it better? You yeah. know? Um, like we had one of those serve me better processes conversation um, last Wednesday morning when I was dealing with this past week's been a really, really difficult week for me, health wise, weird and uncomfortable and difficult and something and, and really random, if completely random. And so I had been complaining about this and I true, I'll use the word complaining, mm-hmm. not whining, but I was complaining. It was a complaint about this particular issue I had going on along with other issues and you being who I go to for all of my well-being short of my doctor. Like you are, there's a reason you're going to have a PhD at the end of your life. You get what's going on with me naturally. And that's where I would rather turn. And, you know, I said, Hey, this is what I've been complaining about. And what have we done to work on that? And you said, well, that's not what I've been working on. And I'm like, well, why not? You know, what was my response? That's not what you were complaining about. Exactly. But it was. So it's just a miscommunication. I think it was a miscommunication more than anything. But it's that clear and concise and saying, hey, here's where I need more help. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, even as much as yesterday, when I said we may need to switch sides of the bed because of this shoulder issue, because I like feeling you next to me when I can feel you next to me. Like I'm comforted. Like it's, it's a comforting feeling. I'm, I like being the big spoon. So I don't like being the little spoon. <laughs> and so that it's comforting to me and saying to you, Hey, we need to switch so I can have that. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I need that. And I know you like being the little spoon mm-hmm. until it gets too hot. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but even communication in, in that sense of, Hey, this is like, I need this. Mm-hmm. Like it's like in this season of my well being right now, right. my body does not, is not treating me well. And I need that. So, right. yeah. So the examination of the process is I think date night once a week where you intentionally go in and saying, Hey, what are the areas we need to work on this, this next seven days? Right. You know, because we do have a pulse of date night. We're off our pulse by three days, but we're back right. on it tonight. So, but by having that 
pulse of date night, it puts you in a good space. It's, it's just like I said in the beginning, you know, with, with our business, there is a pulse to the meetings we have that have an agenda every single time. Right. You know, I think, you know, when I've talked to people and we talk about date night and, you know, Stephen Lard talked about this in episode one, actually, mm-hmm. and about going to the in, date night with intention and don't, it's not just about getting a big steak and going to dinner. Right, and sitting back and getting comfortable. Yeah, getting comfortable. It's about examining one another and how do you pour into one another. And I think that maybe even the word date night's the wrong words mm. because date night carries us back to our youth, at least our youth. That group now, the youth now don't date, they congregate. You know, <laughs> but like when we dated, it was all about fun and activity. And there's a, that I think it conjures up that vision of what date night looked like when we were young and dating. And now it serves such a larger purpose in our relationship because it is about measuring the pulse of our family and measuring the processes of our family and, and seeing, Hey, how can we serve one another better? Like maybe even coming up with a different word. I don't know what that would be. We can work on that, but maybe that's, maybe that's an episode. Yeah. You know? So to circle everything kind of back around to the original, you know, what is the response versus react? And I think you touched on it a little bit, but I want to go a little bit farther with it. You said fail forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because if you find that your process and you're not doing a reevaluation, you're just kind of saying, this is the way it's going to be. That's really a bad idea. But if you're not going in and doing that and somewhere along the lines, it fails and it breaks, having the ability to look at that as a win. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, it didn't work, but that's a win because you know that that's not the way you need to continue. That's a win. Knowing what not to do is as important as knowing what to try next. So when we're talking about, you know, that life, that life, whole full life circle of being fulfilled and knowing what it's going to, you know, you want to be, and I hate to even use this word, so I'm going to use it really loosely, but happy. You have to understand that there's a lot of grace that goes into happiness and failing is a part of that happiness, but you have to fail and then start again and fail and then start again. One of the things that I stress very strongly in all of the well-being classes that I'm facilitating is you have to know that it might take a hundred times of that's not going to work to find the 101 try as being the success. So don't stop yet. Yeah. I actually had a conversation with one of our leadership guys this week and we were specifically speaking about how many times does it take? Mm -hmm. And I said, as many as it takes. Yeah, it's like the old commercial with the owl and the tootsie roll lollipop. You know, One, two, right. three, right? Be however many. I think, you know, what shifts there is, you know, if you fall in love with the process, not necessarily the result. Right. You know, you've got this result that you're trying to get to, this ideal result, and the falling in love with the process of getting there. The graphic that I sent the team, it's a circle, right? And it starts out with try, and you got two. Lines. No, I think you, I don't remember where it, you might have. Um, but it's, you start out with a try and you got two options. You're either going to succeed or you fail. Mm-hmm. And from try, if you succeed, then you share it. And then from share, you grow and then you grow and you question, and then you question, you learn, and then you try again. Mm-hmm. But if you try and you fail, then you learn and you try again. So mm-hmm. it's just a shorter circle, mm-hmm. you know, um, but falling in love with the process. I think that's where guys that are in our business that have been in the business for a long time, that's where they have the largest amount of difficulty understanding 
my thought process because mm-hmm. everybody before that they've ever worked under, you know, any time that there was a quote unquote failure, mm-hmm. right? There was a tick against them towards firing them. Right. There's a consequence. And the, the, consequence yeah, the consequence wasn't learning. It was right. And with my team that I've got now, I feel so confident in their abilities. It's I want to sit alongside them and say, hey, yeah, it failed. And let's not do this 99 times. Right. Right. But if it failed, then what, why did it fail? Let's learn from that. Mm -hmm. And then let's not do it that way again. Um, This past Thursday, I was able to go listen to, I was blessed and invited to a pretty cool event um, with a local company that owns a lot of laundromats, but that's a second generation company. And I was able to sit down with the founder, you know, he's grown his sons into this business and they're in their, you know, mid to late thirties. And the neat thing is he said, you know, in the beginning, helping them learn the business, I gave them a budget. So if the consequence of the failure is going to cost you a hundred dollars or more, come see me. Otherwise handle it, make the decision. And then he said, after a little bit more, it became a $500 budget. If it's going to, if the failure is going to cost $500, then come see me. Otherwise make the decision and, you know, and use it as a cost of education. Right. And then it got to be a thousand. And then it went to 5,000 and then it went to 10,000. And then he said, so now the consequences that they're able to deal with, like there's nothing they're afraid to handle, but he walked them through that from, from an early, early age. And I thought, man, what a blessing to be able to, to quantify the idea of, Hey, it's okay. I know there's going to be a cost of education. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a, that's a good way to look at um, a respond versus react oh, for, sure. for your response to be okay, well, I know that I've got permission and that's big. Right. I've got permission to handle this. So I'm going to handle it, which grows your ability to have less reaction right. because reaction tends to not be thought out very well. Right. For sure. Because it comes from a place of the, well, the reptilian part of our brain. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. What are your last thoughts? Um, you know, the whole respond versus react thing, the the idea of our leadership development group, which is why doing personal development and studying yourself well and becoming a better leader of yourself, really what you're developing is what I call, and it's I had this revelation at um, Steve's event. I wrote down the word responsibility, mm-hmm. and it's you know personal responsibility, which is a big buzzword right now. Everyone needs to take personal responsibility, but if you take and break apart the word responsibility into two words, response ability. Mm-hmm. And if you're really what you're developing is your personal, your ability to personally respond. In other words, my personal response ability, Mm -hmm. that's key. And so being able to lead yourself well and handle your own responses to things, but then being proactive in your relationship space with your spouse, with your children, and then with extended family members with communicating vision well working on the process understand so that everybody understands the weight that they carry mm-hmm. you know what's the part of the load that they're responsible for and then constantly reevaluating and saying hey how do we need to adjust the weights on the plate so the plate doesn't fall over and break mm-hmm. that's my thoughts good enough cool you bring this out i will thank you mm-hmm. father god thank you for allowing us to spend some time elbow to elbow sharing our thoughts um in ways that will lead for other people to think maybe a little differently 
have some different conversations and look at things in a different lens of life. We know that in everything, your hand is in it and you're always working towards your will and our good. We thank you in all those areas. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode of Faith Family Fulfillment, brought to you by Chris and Suzanne Vester. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's guests and stories. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Chris and Suzanne on Instagram at H-V-A-U-T-O-C-O-O and Suzanne.C.Vester. That's at S-U-Z-A-N-N-E dot C dot V-E-S-T-E-R. 